I just felt this morning while we were worshipping that it was just a special time, and except when I'm baptising people, do I need to move this, Chris? Uh, except when I'm baptising people, I don't often take my socks off in church meetings. But I just felt like there was a need to um, just respond to God in the right way. God's here, God wants to meet us, God wants to do things. And for me today, it just felt like it was holy ground. So, that's great. That's really good. So, anyway, uh, prophecy, where did it all start for me? I'm going to talk a little bit about um, uh, how it all started for me in relationship with God. Because what we say flows out of relationship with, with our Heavenly Father. What we hear flows out of a relationship with a daddy that loves us very, very much. And so, um, it all started for me a long time ago. I was a teenager... I had had other weird experiences before this, but it really sort of felt like it started when I was a teenager sitting on my bed reading the Bible. And I read John 10, 27, which says, my sheep hear my voice. So I thought, oh, all right then. I'll expect to hear God. That's brilliant. And that's how it works, really. We need to believe that as God's sheep, we hear his voice. It's as simple as that. And uh, what I wanted to do, really, this morning was I was going to read John 10 uh, because it talks about our relationship with God and how precious that is. And there's a lot about hearing from God and hearing God speaking to us in that. And let's let that... You know, Jesus' words are truth and life. And as we embrace Jesus' words, his truth and life changes our lives, which is fantastic, because that's what we need, isn't it? And then, um, just before we start... No, 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 no. Right, John 10. Sorry. John 10, starting at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's such good news. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. That is incredible, isn't it? That is absolutely amazing. Jesus is talking about, this is one of my points actually, but Jesus is talking about a quality of relationship between us and him. That's the same as the one he has with his father, God. And God is three in one, so much so that we can't actually work out what that means. And that's how close 
Jesus wants us to be friends with him. Okay, sorry. I thought that was amazing. (laughs) And I have other sheep. Uh, Have I said that? And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Isn't that amazing that God has done so much to bring us into a relationship with himself. So much so. And that relationship is all to do with us hearing from him and following him and going out after him because he loves us and because he wants to involve us in his purposes. It's an integral part of Christianity. It's integral. From your, as you read this, you can't be a Christian and not know the Father's voice. I'm not making that up. That's what it says in the passage. Now, some of us, our experience is a bit different to that. But we need to start asking God to make our experience line up with what he wants to say. We need to repent, actually, is the word. We need to change our minds. What this is saying is the day we gave our lives to Jesus, we heard his voice and responded to his call and became his friend. And he wants that to carry on day after day, week after week month after month, year after year. Okay, I've got three P's about this relationship. I've also got an O and an I, so there you go. (laughs) Just to be different to most teachers. First one is personal. We're called by name. We're called by name. Very straightforward. Jesus knows us and he loves us and he calls us by name. It's not just random. Although he's got a flock, he knows and calls each one of us by name. It's purposeful. Jesus wants to lead us out. One of the amazing things is that God has put in us the message of reconciliation. He came in Jesus and Jesus preached reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. And he has placed in us the message of reconciliation. God is leading us out in his mission of reconciliation to the world. I think that's fantastic. It's purposeful. It's overflowing. It's an abundant life. God wants to fill us up with all the good things that he has for us. 
God wants to pour it out and pour it out. He talks about filling up. He talks about pushing it down and then putting some more in, really filling the bag out. We had a duvet that um, we didn't like very much because it started to go all lumpy. And we've only had it for two, three months, something like that. We, want, we had to take it back into Marks and Spencers. We bought it when it was on special offer. But uh, anyway, we took it back. And to take it back, I wanted to put it in a bag, and I was pushing it into this bag. A bit like putting... I know what it's more like. It's more like putting a sleeping bag into one of those sleeping bag things. Do you know what I mean? It's, and then you put your foot on it, and you tear the bag. God wants to put his life into us and fill us with his life. So it starts to overflow. It starts to pour out. God wants us filling, filled and pouring out with his life, day by day, week by week, year by year. Do you know... Um, I was reading, though, it doesn't always feel when God calls us into stuff like we're about to overflow. I was, I was reading a commentary about that on Ezekiel in chapter 47. It talks about the river flowing out from beside the altar. And it says that um, the stream of life at its source is no larger than the flow of water from the mouth of a small vessel. That's not bad, is it? I mean, I could be the mouth of a small vessel. I'm rather a loud mouth of a small vessel, but... <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if rivers of life started to flow out of these mouths? Marek, could you come and share that story that you told? I've heard this story twice in a week. If we do it today, that makes a hat trick. Three times within a week, because he told me it first time on Sunday afternoon last week. Is there a mic that you could just use? About how some life flowed out of Marek and how the overflow actually felt at the time. Thank you, Marek. Uh, it happens uh, a few years ago. Uh, I was going for shopping. Uh, it was in the really beginning of the day, nine o'clock. It was a very cold day. Um, it wasn't winter time, but it was old autumn. And um, not far away from the place when I was living uh, was a shop with the stairs. And on, this, on those stairs, one old lady were sitting, and, through, uh, and some other ladies around her started to crying for help. So I heard this, and I heard that they were asking if someone has a mobile phone. So I have one with me, and they said, come on, we need to call for ambulance because this lady is dying. And I come closer to them, and I saw this poor lady, maybe in the age of 60 years old, and she really looked very poor. She was Sweat like someone, you know, threw out on her a glass of water. She has a problem with breathing. And, um, and her eyes sometimes, you know, go down. So for me, this was like a dying person, really, in the front of my eyes. So I take my phone, I just try to contact with the ambulance. It doesn't work. I phoned the police, and I said, contact with the ambulance, come quickly. This lady is here and there, and you need to help. So they promised me to do it. Of course, around was lots of people. they just gathering all together. And, uh, and I did what I did, and I said, okay, it's time to go for shopping. Because already so many people were around this lady and it was um, enough uh, number of them to help her somehow. Uh, and when I 
took a few steps back, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart. And this is uh, very interesting. When we are praying for God to be involved in our life, and we are uh, asking him, God, I am ready today, yes, what we say in the beginning of this meeting. Yes to God. So many times I did in my prayer, Lord, use me whenever I will be. So the Holy Spirit started to speak to me. Uh, it's all what the Pentecostal pastor can do, just pick a phone and call ambulance. It's like, you know, we men, if someone telling us, yeah, chicken or what? <laughs> we always want to do something. And I said, yes, Lord, I can pray for this lady. So the Spirit says, pray for her. So I turned back and I took her for hand, her hand. I just said, lady, may I pray for you? And she with her eyes just show me the yes. So in that moment, really the atmosphere changed. I forget about people. I forget about myself. I just concentrate on her, on her need, and just ask God to do something for her. So I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that this dad will go away. And this lady will be alive and will be good. And I start praying loudly, not crazy, but loudly enough that people will hear. And in one moment, this lady, it's gone. This pain was gone. And she, she was so happy. And in that moment, the ambulance came and I said, you are late. <laughs> And it was the best shopping I have ever. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that God's, you know, interrupting, interruption. Yeah. It's really good to hear his voice in the middle of our activities and be also in the same time open for it. Yeah. It's not easy. Sometimes this step of Faith is a risk. Maybe nothing will happen. But who knows? Yeah. He promised that when we will believe in him, he, he will do what he promised. Yeah. Yes? Yeah, amen. amen. Praise God. <laughs> just, just a second. Okay. So when you walked away yes. and God called you chicken... Yes. Did you feel like you were overflowing? Uh, no. No. Thank you. <laughs> no. And yet God overflowed through Marek's life. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, yeah I've got a hat trick as well. Hat trick of testimonies. Praise God. Um, okay. We want that sort of overflow. It's really great to hear it from a practical point of view to, to see what it actually feels like when you're in there doing it, isn't it? Um, so the I... This relationship that God calls us to is intimate. I've already said it, but God loves us so much. And he wants to draw us into... It's like being drawn right into his very being. You know, if we know him, 
like he knows himself. And there's three of him that are so close together that we say there's one God, and he says there's one God. Isn't that amazing that he's drawing our lives into his life? That he wants us to feel what he feels. You know, Abraham walked with God and he got to a um, situation and God said, I'm going to do all this with Abraham. I'm going to tell him what I want to do about Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham started to talk with God about what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he made, well, they, they agreed a, a plan of action that God followed through on. God wants to involve us in his plans for our city, for our world. God wants to involve us. He wants to share life with us. It's nice to see you back, by the way. <laughs> Mary, sorry to anybody else from there. So. Um, yeah, God wants to involve us in his life, in his life. Do you know, my teachers used to know me by name. It wasn't always great when they demonstrated that fact. God knows us by name, but he knows us so much better. And it's one thing to say that we know God, but Hosea says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Let's know, we know him, yeah, we're a Christian. Let's go deeper, let's know him more, let's give our lives more wholeheartedly to him. I'm going to have to do this now, I'm sorry. There's a couple that came back from Thailand with a family, um, and uh, I wanted to say that so so it's obvious that I know something about you. But I I saw... um, uh, like a tree that was rising and growing, it was strong and powerful. And then it was like it was a, a branch, was a bough of the tree was turned through 90 degrees, like palisading. Do you know what I mean by palisade? Is it palisading? It is, isn't it? Where you take fruit trees and you bring them out, and so that the so that the arms are vertical. It's to make the fruit more accessible. And I believe that part of the change that God's bringing about or brought about in your life is to make the fruit of your life and His fruit in your lives more accessible to people. He wants people to be able to reach and to touch easily. And I feel that there's a call on you, uh, therefore, to be open with all that God has made you to be and, uh, who, yeah, and be available for people, that the fruit can be reached by people. So God bless you. I'd love to talk to you at the end if that's not clear. Or... Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> so is Karen with the children? Okay, um, I had a picture for you two. Um, it's going to be on the MP3, I'm sure. Yeah, cool. So, um, but I'll talk to you at the end if when you yeah. come back. Um, it was uh, it was like you had this box of treasure, and you were looking through the box, and there's all these precious things in there. But there was one bit that you were looking for, and it was almost like it was a Lego brick. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of rooting through the Lego box to find the bit that you want that's the right colour to complete it. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like God's got something for you that's precious. And it's in this box of treasure, but he wants to build on it from you. It's this thing that he wants to put into your life or has already put into your life. And you might be questioning. And he wants to build out from it in different ways. He wants, like a Lego brick, you know, it's there, it's fixed, it's solid, it's in him. And he's going to start to build out of it. And he want, he's calling you to invest in that precious treasure that he's put on your life. I don't, don't have any more detail than that, but it was really about a time of seeking him for building on this, on this treasure that he's placed in your life. So again, we're good to talk at the end. So yeah, precious. This last piece, the relation, the, word, the other piece were personal and purposeful. The O was overflowing, and the I was intimate. And the last P is precious. 
I did that bit because I'm told to do that by teachers, that you're supposed to rehearse your points, but I don't think I told you what they were as I was doing them, so... <laughs> Our relationship with God is precious. It's precious to Jesus. It's really precious to Jesus. So precious that he laid his life down for us. He didn't have to give up heaven. He didn't have to become a man. He didn't have to become a servant. He didn't have to die a criminal's death. But he loves us so much. The father didn't have to let his son You know, we've got two sons and a daughter. The thought of anything remotely like that happening to any of our children is just horrific. And yet the Father God gave his son, his one and only son, up to all that because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. It's precious to God. And it's precious, it should be precious to us. And I feel there's a call on our lives to invest in God and to invest in what is precious. The Apostle Paul said, in Philippians later on, he's talking about all sorts of things that have happened to him and all sorts of stuff that he's had to give up. And he says, more than that, more than that, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them but rubbish. Rubbish. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, this guy was out there, really, wasn't he? And yet that is the relationship that God has called us to. It goes on, actually. It carries on. It talks about having a righteousness that's in Christ and not his own. and wanting to be more and more like Jesus. Because that is what's precious. That's what's going to last. That's what's going to transform people's lives, not just for now, but for for eternity. God is coming close to us. God is wanting to invest in us, and he's wanting us to invest in him. We need to treat as precious things that he he treats as precious as well. I was reading Leviticus a while back, and um, about a month or so ago, and uh, there's a bit in there uh, near the start. Oh no, actually, verse 10. Uh, chapter 10, verse 3. It says, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all men, I will be honored. We need to take it seriously, what God has done. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is so important to God. Let's not be flippant about it. Do you know what else is important to God? Us. His family, us coming together, us when we're apart, us, us. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he says, actually, he says, if you love me, oh, come on, me and my, me and my father, me, me and my dad, we're going to come and live, we're going to move in with you. He says, we'll make our abode with you in the version I read, but we'll come and live in your house. This is my commandment, that you love one another. You love one another. This is precious to God. We need to treat one another as precious to God. And I think we also need to treat as precious the call to a spiritual life. We need to treat it as precious. You know, it's not, 
it's not an option hearing God's voice. It's not an option to really want to prophesy. It's not an option to follow the way of love, but it's not an option. It says, follow the way of love and really want, really want to prophesy. And he says it again at the end of the chapter. Let's treat as precious our wonderful relationship with God that was bought at such great price. Let's treat as precious the way that that works with one another. I'm going to stop now, hand over to Helen. It's going to be far more practical, I think. Where is the... Oh, there it is. (laughs) Got this thing wrapped around my head. I feel like I've got one of those kind of braces that they put around your face. Okay, so... Will that go there, do you think? Okay. (laughs) I've got the new device. So why was Graham saying all of that? Why was he talking about um, the fact that we all hear his voice and God loves us, we're precious to him? And I think it is because we don't always believe it, do we? (laughs) And the biggest battle for these things is in our minds. Because if we really believed it, we'd be expecting God to speak to us more, wouldn't we? And it's, it's interesting. Somebody, um, we were at um, a prophetic learning community um, up in Sheffield. And one of the things the speaker said was that the, the, the fight for the, the strongholds in our minds is quite a big one on this. Um, and she put it very simply, we don't have to agree with what Satan says to us. I thought, oh, that's very simple, isn't it? (laughs) I must remember not to agree so often. (laughs) So when God says, my sheep hear my voice, do we agree or do we not agree? Yeah? Who do we agree with? So I was just thinking as I was preparing this that when I was a 16-year-old, I didn't know God. I didn't come from a Christian background. I had no Christian heritage. My parents didn't take me to church. 17, I became a Christian. It was quite a dramatic experience. love to tell you about it if you want to find out about it. But how come I'm standing up here today talking about prophecy? How, did I get, how on earth did I get from that 16-year-old to this mm-year-old? How come I, I can speak about prophecy now? And I mean, the thing that I felt quite touched by was that I'm not just the product of the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm the product of other people's belief in me. And the reason that I've grown is because others have seen more in me than I have seen in myself. And that they've provoked me, they've encouraged me. And in order to grow, we really need each other. To grow in the prophetic, we really need to help each other and to provoke each other and to energize each other. And I kind of sat and thought of the the prophetic figures in my life in the past, what a huge influence they they have been on me. And it's almost like they've kind of jump-started me and they've kind of kept me going in the prophetic. I remember um, really back in the early days, there was a woman called Mary Hipsley. Some of you might know her. She said, I want you to go and get a prophetic word for somebody else whose name was Julia Morgan. 
You might have heard of her. She was, she was foundational in the King's School. She needs to hear God. And I thought, why are you asking me? And you know what? Mary had already seen something prophetic in me, and I didn't even see it in myself. So we really need to encourage and help each other in this. So I can, I can remember it really clearly because I went and sat on my bed. I remember the house and everything. And I started to ask God, not actually expecting to get anything. The minute I started to ask God, something came into my head. Leave your father's house and your country and go to the country I've prepared for you. And somebody else had exactly the same word in, in a following meeting. She left the King's School. She went to Canada. Um, would I have done that if Mary hadn't got up to me and said, go away and ask God to get a word for, for this person? So how does God speak to us? And if you haven't I had it dipped into this book yet. I would really recommend it. It's called Naturally Supernatural. And Steve mentioned it last week. And if some of the things I'm saying this morning come from this book. So David, who is really called Buck. <laughs> never heard him called David before. Says that basically God speaks to us through our spiritual senses. And there are five of them, just like five natural senses. And he talks about as hearing God through hearing, (laughs) through seeing, through feeling, through impressions, and through dreams. Now, the hearing and the seeing, that could actually be audibly hearing and visually seeing, or it could be hearing something in your mind and seeing something in your mind, which is probably a lot more common. And I think For me personally, I've probably heard God in all of those ways, but actually much more commonly in just one or two of those. Because the second point that he makes, and this is the point I want to pick up on, is that he speaks to us in ways that suit our personality. So I'm just going to tell you something very practical, a few things about me, if you don't already know, and how that translates into how God speaks to me. So I am a very visual person. The learning style tests, I always come out as visual. (laughs) I give them to my students to do. Most of them come out of visual as well. And in fact, probably the majority of us are visual learners, but not all of us. And I know that we can tend to expect other people to hear God in the same way as us. Um, So we need to kind of just be careful of that, not kind of putting our um, experience of God and our way of hearing God and expecting him to do exactly the same thing with other people because it doesn't work like that. But, um, so yes, so I am a visual person, so probably most of the things that I feel God's saying to me come through an image in my mind. I've put 90%, just in case you like statistics. It might not be as much as that. But those images can come quite quickly, So I could be talking to somebody, and during the conversation, it pops into my head. Or I could be praying with someone, and as I'm praying, it pops into my head. That image could come from nowhere in particular, or it could come from 
and external stimuli, that's less likely for me. So I could be praying and see those flags and, you know, from that prophesy. Or it could be that the Holy Spirit brings back to mind something that I remember or something I've seen or something that has been in my experience in my life in the past. That's quite common for me. So, for example, we were with a couple um, a few weeks ago. She was talking, we're about to pray, and suddenly, in my head, I had this picture of this pair of roller skates I used to have as a child. And do you remember how annoying it was? Because in those days, you could kind of adjust them to fit your foot. And you'd start off on your roller skate, and suddenly the roller skate would extend out, and you'd kind of be flying all over the place. And I've not been thinking about those roller skates ever, I don't think, but it was something from the past that the Holy Spirit brought to mind for a purpose. Now, you've probably heard about the kind of three parts of giving a prophetic word. One, the revelation, then the interpretation, and then the presentation. So that, seeing that roller skate, was the revelation. The Holy Spirit brought that to mind. Then the other two parts, what does it mean, and then how am I going to say it, we sometimes think, well, that's up to us to sort out. So God's given us the revelation, then he leaves us to work out the interpretation and the presentation. Well, actually, it's all you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So put it together, expect God to help you with the interpretation and the presentation as well. It's not just over to you, sort that one out, you know. Um, so that's the first thing, and I think that's probably most people's experience of how God speaks to them. I just did a, a, a little survey last night with my daughter. I said, how does God speak to you? She didn't say visually. She said, I kind of, I kind of get phrases in my head a lot more. And I thought, yes, I can see that. You're much more an auditory person. She loves reading things out to me, and I hate it. I hate it when people say, oh, let me just read you this passage. And I say, I've got to see it. I want to read it myself. So she's, she's much more auditory. So it's not a great surprise then that she gets, she gets phrases that she hears. Second thing about me is that I really enjoy solving cryptic crosswords. <laughs> And I like, actually, I really like the challenge of looking at things from different angles. I like working things out. And I sometimes like Graham helping me. <laughs> I'm slightly territorial about the, the crossword. I like to start it, and then if I get stuck, he can come and help me. <laughs> but that's something that we do together, and that's interesting. And I find that God speaks to me in dreams. Now, I have to say, these are nowhere nearly as frequent as, as images in my mind. And it's a very different kind of process because you can't fall asleep at the drop of a hat. So if you're trying to pray for someone, you can't have a quick nap. To it's not quite so accessible and it's not so immediate. And I actually had a look at, I've kind of been cataloging what God's been saying, particularly for me, since September, when God landed a bit of a bombshell <laughs> on my life in terms of what he wants me to do in the future. And I've been kind of writing down what he's been saying since then. 
I had one dream in September, I had two in November, and I've had one in March. So they're not happening every night. They kind of come in batches for me. But they need more uh, decrypting, they need more processing. And I just wanted to, I felt like I wanted just to say a few things about dreams, so I'm going to say a bit more about this. So the first thing I would say is, as you relate it to someone, or as you write it down, it clarifies its significance, and it will help your understanding. So I've got an in-house kind of whatever um, partner to kind of compare my dreams to. So I'll say, I had this strange dream last night, and I'll start talking about it, and Graham will either say, oh, I think that's important, or I'll realize it's important as soon as I start saying it. So I'll write it down. In particular, look out for recurring dreams, um, because God is probably getting your attention. So if you think of Pharaoh, for example, in the Bible... There was a book that um, Steve was mentioning last week called Surprised by the Voice of God, in which his wife has a recurring dream about their daughter. And I remember when I read that, feeling slightly alarmed, because (laughs) there's something about dreams, I think, that God really wants to catch our attention, and they can sometimes seem quite alarming. But I think the purpose of not totally, but one of the big things about dreams is that God wants to prepare us, to warn us, to prepare us for something, and to give us time to take action. So in the book, it's about his wife having a dream about their daughter, and they need to take some action to protect her. Now, what would you do if you got a dream like that? Because I remember thinking about it, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I hope I never have such a dream like that about any of my children. But actually, I did. I had three dreams that were very similar about one of our children. And I have to say, I didn't really take enough notice of it. Um, And on the the third time I had the dream... On that day, something happened to one of our children. And it's all absolutely fine now. Let me just say that now. But I think God was trying to get my attention and to take more action than I did. And the problem is we can just see, have a dream, get alarmed, and run away from it because we don't know what to do with it or we just get worried about it and we don't take action. Um, So the dream might be quite dramatic, but actually the response could be quite pragmatic. And I was thinking about the story that Steve shared last week about the two women who told the leader that um, Satan wanted to try to kill him that day. Quite alarming thing to, you know, have across your desk in the morning. But the response was actually quite pragmatic. Okay, then, let's just get everyone round... Let's pray, and then let's get on with the day. And actually, in the story um, of the couple and the daughter, what they did was, okay, we're just going to pray every day for our daughter. We're going to ask other people to pray. They came through that period. Their daughter was fine. Okay? And I have to say, since I had those three dreams, we took it a lot more seriously about praying every day for our children. Um, 
we'd prayed individually, but we, we, we changed what we were doing. Very, very simple, pragmatic steps in response, but we responded. So the other thing is, prophetic people help um, unlock prophetic dreams. So if you think God might be speaking to you through a dream, apart from writing it down, go and talk to somebody prophetic about it, because they could really help you. Um, I had this dream. I had a dream. <laughs> Maybe I'm not to tell you that. Lots of dreams about people dying and so on. I will tell you this one, actually, because the person didn't die. Um, <laughs> I had a dream back in the church that I was in. woman I knew dropped down on the floor dead. Her husband came along beside her, lay down next to her, and she came back to life. What would you do with a dream like that? Would you just think, oh, that's weird, I won't do anything with that? What I decided to do was I talked to her pastor, and her pastor was also a prophetic, very prophetic person, and all he said was, oh, I know exactly what that's to do with, that's, we can sort that out. It's to do with something that they were going through, probably as a couple, and that was that. Another dream that I had, this was very strange, that in this, this wasn't a warning dream, this was more like revealing something to me. I had a dream that somebody had some sandpaper and was sanding down the sole of my foot. And while that was happening, all of these bits were coming out of my ear. <laughs> and I wrote it down and just kind of filed it away. And then at one of our church conferences, there was a, a prophetic guy speaking. His name was John Paul Jackson. You might have heard of him. If you've ever seen him, he's one of those guys that's got these penetrating blue eyes, and you kind of think, they're kind of like laser eyes. He's had really kind of wow experiences of going up to heaven and coming back with gold dust on his hands and all that kind of stuff. He was just talking about the prophetic And he said, intimacy with God is like sandpaper on our soul. It opens our ear (laughs) to hear God. And I just, my jaw just dropped. I thought, you've just interpreted my dream. I didn't even tell you what it was. The reason I wanted to share that was because it kind of links back with what Graham was saying about the whole thing about intimacy with God being... The, the thing that kind of opens our ear to hear him prophetically. Um, the, the last thing I want to say about dreams is refer to biblical imagery. So get yourself full of the Bible. <laughs> so Bible study and really kind of understanding it is not counter-spiritual. Do you know what I mean? Counter kind of spontaneous so that we can refer what we see to what the Bible says and the images that are there in the Bible. So we don't come up with really wacky kind of interpretations of things. Okay, just a few more things about how God speaks to me, and then we're going to ask a couple more people just to say something quickly. So I'm, I'm pretty uncluttered as a person. Um, I like... <laughs> I quite like throwing things out. No, but I like things to be quite simple. When I, when the things that God gives to me are fairly simple. They're not very long. They don't have lots of detail. They're not very complicated. 
I'm not actually very verbose. Graham does that. (laughs) He's the verbose one. So the things that God gives to me are actually not lots of words normally. They're quite pithy. They're quite short. I love language. I love words. I love teaching. And very often the things that I get prophetically are kind of more teaching style, more kind of memorable phrases, sayings, things that people can kind of remember. And I've tried to adjust this part of my character, but I find it quite difficult to do, is I ask a lot of questions, which is not very British, apparently. You're not supposed to keep asking people questions. And, um, but I do, because I like to find out about people. And so very often prophetic things that I get will come out as questions, and God does that in the Bible. Think about Job. The whole chapter is just one question after another. So why am I telling you this? So I think why I'm saying it is, do we really understand ourselves? Do we understand who we are? And do we like who we are? Because if we don't understand ourselves, and if we don't like ourselves, we'll probably try, we'll probably assume that, we're, that God's going to speak to us in the way that he speaks to someone else. Or we'll try and prophesy the way somebody else prophesies. But if we understand ourselves and we like ourselves, then we're much more likely to be understanding how God is trying to speak to us and and to use us prophetically. Okay. Kate? I really like what Helen's saying there about kind of learning to understand ourselves and and liking the way God could speak to us individually, because we're all so different, aren't we? We're all unique, and God speaks to us in really different ways. And I know my husband Richard uh, will sometimes say to me, how on earth did you make that connection from something you thought to what you feel God is saying? Richard's a scientist. He's very straightforward. Sorry, Rich. But he's very straightforward in the way he'll think through things logically. My background's more to do with language and, and so sometimes I'll have maybe a word come into my head and I'll remember that word from maybe a time I, I read something and that will follow a train of thought and eventually it will bring me to something I feel God is saying. And it takes me a little while usually to work out what God is saying. Um, so just to give you um, an example, um, I find one of the ways that God will often speak to me is just through a bit of an impression, maybe a memory of something, maybe the memory of even an atmosphere of something, maybe an activity I was doing, or it might have been a time in my life and some sense of what that meant. Uh, let me make that a bit more concrete to you. Um, one time I was, I was wanting to give a word to somebody who was struggling with a bit of self-confidence. And, um, and I had this memory come back to me, which was of a time when I was climbing a mountain when I was younger with my father. And um, it was a quite a hard mountain to climb. And I remember very vividly the, the sort of atmosphere of it. Um, but I, and I knew God was speaking, but I couldn't quite work out what that meant. And after praying about it a bit more and sort of mulling it over, sometimes I think we feel maybe, you know, a prophetic word is like a lightning bolt and ding, we have everything clear. I don't know for me that that's the way it works. I think I get the sense of something and then maybe mull it over and, and eventually distill something out. So anyway, this word, 
I felt in the end what God was saying was the person concerned that I was giving the word to, I felt God was saying that uh, he was going to give him the gift of being a father to many people and that God was going to raise him up. Can you see the connection that we were climbing this mountain? I was with my dad, so I was thinking fatherhood and we were going up the mountain and that's what came out at the end. Um, I didn't need to actually explain that, you know, in 1973 I was climbing Helvellyn in the Lake District and we were next to this stream and blah, 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 whatever it was. The person concerned, of course, doesn't need to know all that detail, but that was the process that God took me through. I think we had a really good example the other week from, I think, is it Rachel who had the word, the Russian word? Malaya. I don't know whether you were here in the meeting. She said she'd had this word going through her head. It was Malaya. She couldn't work out what that meant. She'd looked it up. It turned out to be Russian for beloved. Um, and she, she was saying that, you know, God wants to tell somebody here they are beloved. That's a really good example, actually, of how God will use the way your mind works because we all tick in really different ways. Um, and for some of us, actually, a word will be something that comes to mind uh, probably your daughter's a bit like this. Um, you know, a word drops into your head and you think, oh, that's a strange word. And then you kind of follow the trail and work out, well, you know, it's a German word for this or, you know, it's, a, it's an obscure word for that. And, and it's a sense of something that God is saying um, through that. So I think what I'd really love to say to you is, is prick up your ears um, and he, learn to hear God's voice to you individually. You know, if... Um, if Rich comes on the phone to me, he doesn't say, oh, good afternoon, this is Richard Colebrook here. Um, he says, hi, it's me. Um, and I'll know exactly who it is, of course. And we all you know, have phone calls where we know who it is because we recognize their voice. They don't need to tell us who they are. And God's voice will come to you in really different ways. And it might be a bit quirky, and that's okay. Or it might be really straightforward, and that's okay as well. Um, it might be an impression and it might need a little bit of teasing out and it might be a dream that then gets confirmed by all sorts of, of different things. And I think one thing I'd just say is, is take note of, for example, if it's an impression or a dream, take note of who it is who's in the dream. So, for example, um, I once had a dream uh, where I, was going, I, I had a new house and it was beautiful and it was like a castle, and there was a moat around it, around it. It was superb, and I was loving every minute. And then a voice of somebody I knew who was quite needy said in the dream, come over here, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. And, um, and I knew who it was. I knew that I could recognize the voice of who it was. And I, thought, I knew who that represented and, and, the, and the people that it represented. And I knew God was telling me to get out of my castle with my moat and go over there and give people something to eat, figuratively speaking. So just take note of the detail because God will use all the details of your life. John, uh, if you can keep it short. Sorry, I went on perhaps a little longer than... Okay. That's all right. So... Um... Clearly, we're going to have to start a new type of psychoanalysis by looking at how people prophesy and finding out what kind of person they are through that. Um, I don't know what this tells you about me. I quite often will see a picture, and most of the time, it's not a picture of anything that I've seen in the natural uh, before. Um, don't know what that means. Um, usually, uh, what I do is I think about that picture. And 
Um, the first question I'll be asking is kind of how do I feel about that? Um, is it a positive picture or a negative picture? You know, so one of the things I was, I was discussing is, you know, um, as an example, you know, if you see a ball, picture of a ball, sometimes that means a great game of football, or sometimes that means being picked last for the football team. You know, that what that means to you is personal to you. And so I, I start thinking about what it means to me. So I gave a word this morning. Uh, the initial picture for that was uh, a picture in my mind of um, a coastline um, with a kind of a cove at night. And brought to mind, to my mind, pirates. Uh, and, um, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and piracy can be bad. Thing. So I was like, okay, is that bad? And I didn't think it was bad this time. Um, but I thought that it was a perfect scene. It was a storybook scene. And so that's where I started to think about this. I started to think about how it's a storybook scene. It's not a real scene. It doesn't really happen that way. Yeah. And then I went, uh, God brought that passage from the Bible to mind about the wide roads and the narrow roads. Um, so I went and read that, I thought about that, um, and that, very, that led me to think about uh, what God is saying to people through, who are, you know, firstly, I guess, considering whether they want to travel with him, give their lives to him, and secondly, because, um, I don't know why, but it also led me to think about what people were you know, how people, whether people were full of courage or, or t- very timid about the way that they were sharing God with other people as well and expecting things to all come together. So that's how I thought about it. I think the important thing is at every step of the way to be taken out to God, to be doing that with the Holy Spirit and the confirmation that he gives you that, yes, that's him. Um, if you don't know what that feels like, that's something to cultivate, um, to take a step on, and when it's confirmed and it, you know, by other people hearing what you're saying, to say, okay, that was right. I can rely on that more next time. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, if you haven't prophesied before, both John and Kate were very helpful, I thought, gave us some runs through on the prophecies. There's a bit of detail. You might not find that your first prophecy is quite as detailed and involves as many steps as that, but it might be just that that picture comes into your mind and then you ask the questions that they were asking, the same questions, what does this mean to me, and so on and so forth, and God will release it. But if you have been doing it, let's take another step. Thanks very much.